From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast featuring in-depth one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you, Tatum. For our guest today, let's welcome Ignacio Rodriguez, architect and principal of IR Architects. Ignacio is a self-made and visually driven architect with an impressive, impressive slate of luxury real estate successes throughout Southern California's elite slate spans uh, high-end luxury homes that range from 5,000 square foot contemporary new builds to over 70,000 square foot estates that are among the largest houses in America. For more information, feel free to visit ir-architects.us. That's ir-architects.us. Did I get that correct, uh, Ignacio? That's great. Just ir-architects. Okay, perfect. Uh, perfect. And, and we'll segue into hello, Ignacio. Thank you so much for being on the show. Lovely. Gr- awesome to have you. Uh, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having now, me. Thank you. Ignacio, we were talking before we began the show about well, we left off with being a better citizen. Can you share with us why that you know really matters to you and what, what it means to you to be a better citizen as well as a, an architect? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, with what's going on, in the world right now with the social issues that, that have been brought to light. I think it's important that, that we as people understand or try to understand the very different, very complex issues that are going on around us. And so for me specifically, uh, but by no means do I believe I know everything. And I think it's very, very important that I, that I, try to just hear other people's stories. So I really try to read about what, you know, the different issues that other people have that they're dealing with, both socially, economically, and then try to try to just understand, you know, what the big issue is. And, and, and then, you know, from there, try to see how you can give back to the community, try to give back to, to the different different organizations that you give back to. We, we provide scholarships, try to give back and, and try to kind of put a different lens on everything that we're doing because I think it's, it's very important that, that you, you try to surround yourself with, with information and knowledge of what's happening around us uh, so that you make better decisions as a whole, as a person, and as a business owner. Excellent. I like that you surround yourself with information so that you make the most effective decision. We'll touch back on that in a minute. Can you go back to your scholarships that you offer and how, how that began? Because this is really neat. Uh, absolutely, yes. So we, we call them their encouragement scholarships. They're not necessarily a, a, a massive amount of, of money per se, but what they are is, is uh, they're encouragement scholarships that we provide to people that we absolutely do not know just to basically to encourage them, you know, because a lot of times, at least a little bit about my background, you know, where I grew up and what I came from. I grew up in, in the city of Long Beach and Carson. I attended the Compton Unified School District until I was in the 10th grade, and then I, I transferred over to Wilson High School in Long Beach. But so many times, you know, you're, you just need a little bit of, of an encouragement, a little bit of a push 
a little belief that somebody out there believes in you, that somebody out there thinks you can actually, you know, you can do it. And, you know, it's a, a lot of times all you're asking for is just a hug or, a, you know, a high five or something like that. For us now, it's, you know, especially the, the scholarships that we provide, we provide them both at Woodbury University and East LA College, is, you know, just a little bit of money to help you with your books, to help you with your rent, to help you with your studio project, you know, to just, just provide a little, bit of, a little bit of financial help, but more importantly, to provide support. And then to anybody who gets the scholarship, they are offered the opportunity to come to the office you know, spend as many days as they want to spend with us, with me specifically in the office. I'll take them on on some site tours, some site visits. They can shadow me, you know, for days or weeks, however they want to do it, and then just kind of learn the profession and really understand what they're getting themselves into. That's terrific. What's been your feedback with that from the kids that receive the scholarship? Do they, do they share their sentiment with you? They do. Yes, they do. My, my wife actually had this, this lovely frame made with all the letters that we get back from the students, basically, that provide, you know, that say, thank you, this helped me out. And, and more importantly, the story and what you guys are doing is, you know, provides a great mentorship for, you know, how we should, you know, kind of operate when we, you know, when we hopefully they survive, they make it out of whatever their problems they're dealing with and become architects. So it's, it's great. Great. Yeah. This this sounds like it also inspires your architecture because you've worked on some of the largest luxury real estate in the, not just Southern California, maybe even the state, if not the country, but yet you have a, a high level of care, a genuine care for your the community. It seems like it's all it's all like all one. I know there's separate facets, but it seems like to you, you know, your work matters, the people you work with matter, and your community matters. It's, it's rather rare, unfortunately. It, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I like to believe that from an aesthetic standpoint, we, we take extreme pride in what we do, and we want to make sure that any house that is getting built that is ours is a house that's going to look aesthetically pleasing, that it's going to contribute towards the, the, the neighborhood towards the growth of the neighborhood, how the neighborhood is evolving. A lot of the projects that we're doing now, you know, in the city of LA, a good majority of the land is developed. So we're coming in and redeveloping the properties. And so, you know, that gives us an opportunity to have a, uh, to provide a statement towards, you know, the front yard, what the door does, you know, kind of somewhat of a transparency with the community, you know, providing some glass and then, and then providing the indoor, outdoor, you know, American or not American, Southern California lifestyle, being able to, really open up your doors and and engage with the exterior so excellent how about even be, when you began ir architects how, how was that was it a decision you, you, you had a goal in mind years before you actually began or was it like you were thrust into it i'm curious to find out your experience as to what made you decide you know what this is what i'm going to do and, and 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 go for it yes i mean i've, I've always had an entrepreneur background you know, I used to sell elotes when I was uh, probably like eight or nine wow. with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so I've always had that, yeah, that kind of that spirit that I think my dad kind of provided. And, you know, and obviously as, as, as my family grew and my financial responsibilities started to become bigger and bigger, I, I had to move on from the practice that I was working on and start my own practice. And, you know, some of it is financial. 
But I believe a lot of it too is just being able to control kind of your future, being able to control your life and, and your, your lifestyle, you know, how you want to live, what you want to do, was something that was very important to me. And so that's why we started I Architects. Yeah, how was it at the beginning? Was it really e- easy, or uh, it, it's harder now? <laughs> I have no. a debated question, Ignacio. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it's never easy. It's yeah. absolutely not easy. I think the amount of effort, the amount of hours that you have to put into the business so that it thrives is it's pretty substantial. So you know, you can't you can't really look at it that way. You know, sometimes I look at it now like. You know, when you go on, like I do some mountain biking, when you go mountain biking and you see that ginormous hill you're going to climb, you can't look at it like that. You just, you're just going to pedal for a couple of hours and then when you get there, you get there, so to speak. So I think that was one. I think the other big part for me, though, was that we set up the business correctly. So we made sure that as soon as we established our business, we had our, our attorneys involved so that the corporations were set up correctly and we had our accountants involved so that all the accounts, you know, because I, I, nowadays, you know, when students come to shadow me, their first question to me is, you know, I want to start my business. How do I do it? And I explained to them, great. Well, if I give you $500 right now, what account are you going to deposit into? And, you know, if you're not ready to receive a check, you can't get paid for your services. And so that, that was, extremely important and i learned that through my dad watching how he did it and yeah you know it's it was tough it was not easy but uh well worth it excellent if you don't mind me sharing you know how long was was there a point that you had said you know what i i think we're really on the path that we wanted to be was it a dollar figure was it a a a year figure a time figure what was it that kind of if you can remember was like you know what i we're really in the middle of this now aren't we (laughs) You know, it's you know what's interesting is kind of when you're you when you're in the thick of it, you can't quite see it, right? So I started doing you know because when you're starting, my my philosophy to it was, you know, I, I want people to give me a shot. I believe we're extremely talented. I believe we're going to deliver an amazing product, and all we need is somebody to give us a shot. So my first my first couple of clients, you know, the, my thing to them was just pay me whatever you think it's worth. It doesn't matter. The quality is going to be the same. We're going to do an amazing project. Just pay me whatever you think, whatever you think is worth. And you know, I think ultimately that's that's still kind of the core to it. You know, we have, you know, for some clients, we deliver such an amazing job that they'll pay us up front when they see the design and they love it. They'll just they'll, they'll pay us to the fee, even though we're not done. And you know, and. It, I think it's that approach, right? Where the money, the money is important. Yes. And the money you have to, you have to understand you know, what your bottom line is for sure. But you also need to make sure that you design a product, whether you are getting compensated, you know, very, very, or if you're breaking even on the project, because in the end, it's referrals, right? It's referrals that, that allow your business to thrive. That's excellent. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Ignacio Rodriguez, architect and founder of IR Architects, a Los Angeles-based firm. For more information, feel free to visit IRarchitects.us. Again, IRarchitects.us. Ignacio, if you go, we touch back on the um, pay me what it's worth. How do you kind of quantify the value of the projects you've done? Because they're, 
not just immense, but they're beautiful. Sh- share that because it's so like, wow, that to me it's worth, whatever your fee is, I think it's worth probably more. <laughs> well, you know what, what, the way me and my wife run our businesses is very analytical, even though that comment is very loose. We are very analytical. We track every hour on project. We track all the expenses. And we, we like to believe that we understand how much money and effort is going to go into every project. And so because of that, we have a firm grasp on what this project is going to cost us. And more importantly, you know, what, what we feel at least we want to make, right? And so then the question for me goes to the client is it becomes like, you know, here's where we're at. Here's what we want to make, right? If they turn around and say, you know, hey, negotiate backwards because they always want to negotiate back. And it just becomes, look, guys, great, no problem. But this is the line, right? This is my bottom line of what I need to make on this project so that both my business and my company grows and the staff gets paid. And any client, usually, literally, any client that wants to go beyond that line, it just becomes, so you're, so you're telling me that you want my business to lose so that you can thrive. And when you phrase it, when you phrase the argument in that sense, they're business owners and they understand, of course not. Of course not. We just want to get the best price. And then it just becomes, this is the best price. For my practice, for my business, this is the best number. And, and once it becomes even more interesting, is usually it becomes great. And I said, well, we don't want to get to that point. Actually, no, we want to see you grow. We want to see you succeed. We want to, you know, we want to see other projects that are amazing. And they'll pay you know, a percentage above whatever that number is, which is which is great. It's a testament to the clients that we have. That's terrific. Now, how about in regards to scale and scaling projects? Is there a specific amount, a number of clients that you're like, we, we can handle, you know, 50 or 100, but if it gets to the 150, it's a little too much. Or I don't even know if you look at projects that way in terms of numbers of clients or size of projects. How, how do you gauge it for you and your company? company so that you can continue to be as successful as you've been yeah we we actually based base our work capacity based on complexity and what i mean by that is some projects are going to require a lot more effort regardless of how big it is or or the the site limitations so it could be a very 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 complex project i actually have on my desk right now clients send me the property to review and they're not, I don't think, I don't think they're big houses compared to the houses that we do. They'll probably be about 10,000 square foot each, two houses. But the access to the property is so complex. It may be the hardest project I've ever worked on. And so, you know, that, that project is going to take up a lot of bandwidth in the company to get it through, to get it both through the design and entitlement process. Okay, I'm, I'm understanding that now. Now, the project, I mean, if you're at liberty to share with us, what challenges do you see ahead of time before you even talk with the client that you're like look i see like you said getting to their property or doing what you need to do is going to be as hard as you know any project you've ever done yes so so we we also and lauren is my wife is really good at basically the phrase that she says the phrase that we always follow whenever we get a new project is we need to stay in our lane and so that means we, we, our projects are predominantly in Southern California. They're predominantly in the Hollywood Hills, Beverly Hills, Brentwood, Pacific Palisades, and now we're doing projects in Malibu. So because they're in those groups, 
we understand the code limitations quite well. I wouldn't say we know every single code, but we know pretty damn close to most of them. (laughs) (laughs) So so when we go out to the job site, that's what I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for all the, the challenges, powerful street width, frontage, parking, getting your car, privacy issues, topography, because I understand our building height limitations, grading limitations, you know, and, and like the fire department, right, if it's going to be a multi, multi-unit development, we're going to have a fire department that's going to be heavily involved. And so when you put all of those together, if you get one or two flags, it's a normal project, every project has its challenges. If you get four to five flags, that one's going to be pretty tough. But if all the flags go up, you're going to have a challenge on your plate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How do you deal with that challenge, especially working with the cities, the people within the cities? Does that also play into it? No, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, we we understand the the, the city process plays a big part. So if we are going to have to go through the entitlement process of, getting variances and applying for hall routes and special, special basically asking for larger requests that are where the project is not by right, then it does get complicated. And, and we understand, you know, what departments we're going to have to go through, what the time frames are going to be. And the other big part is actually time makes a big difference. So, you know, my father-in-law actually once told me, he said, you know, a project it's like a running faucet. It's like, it doesn't matter how much water's coming out of that faucet, but you gotta close that faucet as fast as possible. That faucet runs for years, even if it's a drip, man, you're gonna realize how much water's coming out of it. And so that's what I mean by complexity. So the entitlement process on that project three years, two and a half to three years, and we're going to have to reach out to the community and have conversations with them. So it's it's going to be a complicated machine. And I mean by that, it'll probably be one of the hardest projects that we're dealing with. What is something that you would tell an aspiring architect or even an aspiring business owner before they start that you've experienced that you you can't really prepare for? Yeah, I think that I, I, I think the biggest at least my biggest challenge when I started my practice that I did not understand is how to negotiate, right? Like you can read books about negotiation. You can, you can watch videos when you are sitting across the table from somebody and there is real money on the table to get a deal done. How do you negotiate to get that contract, right? Where you got to get the contract for the money that you're looking to make, (laughs) But, you know, when, when you have a client in the room wanting to sign you up, you can't let that client walk out. And so how do you do that? And how do you do it carefully? And, and then also, in my opinion, also vetting clients. I'll tell you, there, there has been some clients that we have had in the past that you, you regret, you know, working for them. And, and, and a lot of times you look back and the signs were there. You knew it. Like, oh, this this doesn't look good. This doesn't feel good. And you know, but you ignore it, or, or you you don't give it as as much of a, a, a priority as you should. And nine times out of ten, you know, those clients end up 
You know, it doesn't give you more money, you end up breaking even or, even or losing money. And then, you know, in some cases, they, they, they threaten lawsuits and they just take over the government. And there's nothing to do about it because that's who they are. So, so, you know, it's just those are probably the two biggest things, learning how to negotiate and reading your clients, really reading them before you, you get started. That's excellent, excellent. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Ignacio Rodriguez, architect and founder for IR Architects, a Los Angeles-based firm. For more information, you can visit IRarchitects.us. Again, IRarchitects.us. Ignacio, it's interesting that you, you talked about vetting the clients. It's just kind of who they are. Is, um, Eris, our audio engineer today, taught me something about Miles Davis, the trumpeter, the jazz trumpeter. I don't know if you've uh, heard or... Yes, and, absolutely. And uh, he had said along the same lines that 20% of playing the music is 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 the note itself, but 80% I won't say the word because it's it's a profanity, but 80% is the person playing the music and the note. Is that true with you as well when you're referring to vetting clients? It's it's just kind of who they are? It, it is. It is. And, and you know, what's, what's interesting is, is yeah, I mean, I design time-wise, I, I would say, yeah, maybe even less. I probably spend 20% designing of my time, and then the rest of it is client management. Client management and then the, the financing, project management, and but the design is a, such a small portion. And if for any aspiring architects, I would actually encourage them to understand that to build a project, the designer is usually one or two people of a team of a hundred. So for you to for you to become that designer role. You got to understand that there is a ton of people that are relying on you to get it right. And so you got to get that experience and you got to get that experience at whatever practice you work, you're working at or whatever projects your firm you're starting. And, and then understand that you are not going to be designing for the most part. Literally, my email is dealing with, you know, window and door shop orders, contracts, clients, site meetings you know, reviewing framing and, and, and all the other stuff. But designing is a very small portion of it. Wow. Now, I, I'll touch back again on this. You and Lauren talked about staying in your lane. Was that something that you established at the beginning of your practice or just kind of something that you guys experienced even as a, as a couple as well? Oh, no, you learn that. You learn that and you learn that the hard way. Um, <laughs> the hard way. The you know, hard way. Wow. It, it primarily, is, as architects, we are trained to solve problems, right? We're problem solvers, effectively. So any problem that is presented, at least to me, I want to solve it. And I believe I can solve it, which is, which is great and it's not being honest. But the reality is there are people out there that may be better qualified to solve the problem. And so... A lot of times I would try to lead a conversation when the reality is I've only dealt with this problem five times or 10 times when I have an engineer who has done this a hundred times. So why don't I let the engineer lead the conversation 
And then I just, you know, I follow it along and I render my feedback based on what I'm looking for as my vision and then have them help me accomplish my vision. And a lot, I think if, if personally speaking, when you're able to do that, the project thrives. Everybody's a team member. Everybody feels like they contributed towards the end goal. And you're not forced to, to kind of put on this hero hat of having to answer every question when the reality is you can't. That ego, uh, to me, it sounds like, it, well, it doesn't sound like I can see it in your work. There's a, lot, a very much a lack of ego. And is, is that something you're conscious of or it's just kind of your personality, if you, to be frank? That there's not a lot of ego involved. You're, you're willing to say, who's got the best answer? I'll go with you or I'll work with you on this. Not just, oh, it's my way and that's the way it is. Yeah, you know, it's, both. it's actually two. It's ego and it's money. If I lead the team down the wrong road, financially, I'm going to have to then come right back down that road again and find the right solution. So, and again, remember, time is money, right? So the longer this takes, the more money this costs me. So one of it is the financial incentive of getting to the answer as fast as possible. But the, the other part is exactly that. It's checking your ego. You know, even though clients are extremely, at least the clients that we work for are extremely successful. They are building these amazing projects. And sometimes, you know, you're quick to want to say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> but you know, you got to then understand that, hey, look, they didn't, get to where they, they didn't get to where they are by accident. So they may, be able, they may be seeing something that I don't see, or a consultant may be seeing something that I don't see. I need to stop and let them solve it. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's at least the way I see it now, it's just guys, again, it's like we're trying to win a game, right? And we're going to put the best player to, to win this game, whether that be you know, the closer, the pitcher, the batter, the infielder, whatever it is, we're going to put the best player in there um, because that's all that matters in the end and, and is winning. And so that's that's how I see it. Super. Is there uh, anything, uh, Ignacio, that we may not have touched on in your uh, your interview today that uh, you'd love to share with your audience? Love to hear it. You know, and I, I, our firm is young. Our firm is young, so we don't we don't apply. And and I think it's maybe something that we need to work on. But I would say, you know, design projects not for the awards and the recognitions. Design them because they are to your highest of ability, because you are taking into consideration, you know, the neighborhood and, and, and the privacy and all that fun stuff. And, you know, and, and don't worry about all of that, because in the end, you know, the few, we've won some awards and stuff like that. In the end, literally none of that matters. All that matters is that the clients are happy the the thousand dollars that you're trying to extract out of a client doesn't matter because as long as you do right by them, they'll keep referring you. And and our growth has been exponential, and it continues to be that way because we make sure absolutely not one of our clients believes or feels that we that we we took advantage of. Outstanding, Ignacio. It's been an honor and pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much. I hope you consider coming on again. I I think there's more to this story, and I, I'd love to hear it. Absolutely, I would love to come on, and we can. Yeah, I mean, we can dive into, you know, the design and what you know how I see it and why I designed the way I design, or even the money side of the conversation. How we make sure at the end of the year when you check everything, you're always good, and you know how you thrive in a pandemic. You know, because that's that's very important. Absolutely. Thank you again, Ignacio. 
it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I really, uh, I really think well of you, and I look forward to to seeing you sometime soon because I'm moving down to Southern California next month as well. So, who knows if, uh, especially with this our uh, situation now, it gets a little loosened up. We we can meet. I, I'd love to. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to having at the minimum a virtual coffee. At the minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well said. Well said. You've been listening to the Entrepreneurs Radio Show and podcast. Our guest today has been Ignacio Rodriguez architect and principal of IR Architects. Ignacio is a self-made and visually driven architect with an impressive slate of luxury real estate successes throughout Southern California's elite slate spans high-end luxury homes that range from 5,000 square foot to over 70,000 square foot estates that are among the largest on the market in the United States. For more information, feel free to visit IRarchitects.us. Again, IRarchitects.us. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose driven entrepreneur or high performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dior. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The Chief Audio Engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief Engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.